Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the ACC Now podcast. I'm Steve Wiseman, the Duke beat writer for the Raleigh News and Observer and the Durham Herald Sun. Pleased to be joined today by um, a new face on the on the uh, in the college basketball world in the Triangle. Uh, she's not new to college basketball by any stretch of the imagination, but Rachel Baker, the first general manager uh, in Duke basketball history, is joining us this week. Rachel, thank you so much for being with us. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Happy to be. Yeah, thank you. Um, so uh, you you came to Duke uh, last June, so it's been seven or eight months now and everything here in the Triangle. Formerly worked for for the NBA for a little while, for Nike um, uh, in the grassroots world. So that's why, obviously, you're well-known to, to people in the college basketball world from that. But just tell us about, you know, first of all, welcome to the Triangle, uh, the belatedly here on the podcast. But uh, uh, seven or eight months in here, how do you how do you think about living here and working here? It's great. It's different. I lived all over the country, far northeast, northwest. Um, so it's my first time down south, and it's been a nice southern welcoming. I don't know if you could say I live in the Triangle if I live in Cameron Indoor, but regardless, it's it's been good. That is definitely part of the Triangle. No question about that. So yes, absolutely. Um, you know, because of your national background in basketball from, from Nike and the NBA and all that, uh, you know people all over the country uh, uh, in in college basketball, what made Duke the right place for you to to leave those other those other parts of basketball and and come work for a college for a, for a team? Yeah, it. I mean, timing is is everything. And having worked in a couple different roles across basketball and and um, grassroots basketball, I never saw myself at at a university. But the world has changed. The landscape scape has changed in such a way that someone with my skill set. I felt like it it made sense. Um, obviously, Coach Shire definitely thought it made sense, but it it just is really, really about timing for me. And then also it's Duke. Um, it was funny over the holidays. Uh, this was my dream school. I wanted to come here. Um, I didn't even get close. I didn't even get through the application process, let alone cons- have it have a chance. But when you think about um, a lot of the a lot of the work that I do and and the fact that you're able to do it alongside a brand like Duke University. It made it a no-brainer, and I can't imagine myself doing it anywhere anywhere other than here. Gotcha. So, so tell us about that role. About you know, it's it's a new position, so you can kind of you can create it as you want, or or did they set back and say this is what we want you to do? Just tell us about the role and day-to-day duties you have. Um, I'm really in the business of like recruiting retaining and supporting our guys. Um, I really, and a lot of that, of course, is, of course, is NIL, marketing, really working really closely with our creative team. Um, but it's also about just whatever goes into that overall player experience. Um, personnel management, some player development stuff. I, I think that, as you know, and covering this for as long as you you have, when you're dealing with 
college students, 18 to 22-ish year olds, there's so much that's unpredictable and making sure that they have um, the resources, the support and their families have the resources and support to navigate this world in a way um, that's productive for everything that we're asking them to do on court um, is really what what I've tried to bring to the program. Um, Coach Shire um, has really used me in a lot of ways. He has a couple of right hands, but I, I'll call myself the off-court right hand and and trying to allow him to get the most out of out of all of our guys, trying to figure out what it is that that motivates them, how to create some cohesion, how to get through a lot of the adversity that that you've seen over the past past couple months. And and that is a really big piece of this that I didn't even expect before I got here. Um, and then at the same time, trying to recruit the next class of, of athletes um, a year, two, three years in advance. So it's it's a bunch of different parts of, of our program. Yeah, because I think when people hear general manager, you know, you think of the NBA or professional where like you go out and, you know, sign contracts or, you know, like you, you acquire, have acquire players, right? Yeah. I know there's no contract. In you know. some way, in terms of acquiring players, um, I think that's where it translates a bit because um, what a general manager does in the NBA is they'll look at the roster, look at the talent they have. They'll say, we need this, we're missing that, we need to add here, this is the right culture fit. John Shire puts this roster together. I'm not trying to take any any credit in that vein, but in terms of trying to figure out what it is that that will make not only a good Duke team, but a good college team that will win us national championships, Like, and then figuring out what that individual needs to feel as if Duke's the right place to be able to be here and do that um that's a that's a lot of what i what i think about every day and that goes for high school recruiting as well as transfer portal stuff right you want to make sure that person fits in with what what do what do you guys offer and what duke has yes absolutely um i a lot of um the our transfers happened before or a couple of our transfers happened before before we started but i think in even looking at how young our team is now and and the most successful college programs the experience that goes into um, being able to be super successful. I, I think the transfer portal is a big part of that. And recruiting in the transfer part, portal is just as competitive as as in high school. And there's a much smaller window in, in which you're able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the many things that have changed about college athletics over the last few years here is you know, that's, that's become a big thing. I do want to ask you, when, when, when John approached you about this position, um, the genesis of the conversations, uh, what what were your initial feelings about the job, and was it a tough sell for him, or just kind of what what went into that? Um, I will. We've had some unbelievable recruiting classes since since Coach Shire started, but I will say I was definitely not his easiest recruit. Um, I, I just never saw myself working in in college athletics. I um, so when you're not envisioning what that role might look like or how you can contribute or living in a town like Durham, any of those things, like it's a, it's kind of an uphill climb both for myself and for him to get to a place where it all made sense. And, um, but as you know, he's one of the best recruiters in the business and, and he, he's been great about what makes him a great coach, a great recruiter, um, a great person. He's always thinking three steps ahead. I'd love to say in the, six or so years that we've known each other we've been talking and planning and thinking about this being a thing but we really didn't have much of a relationship we were um we existed in the same circles but we didn't i talked to him more in a day now than i ever did in the first sexy 
six years that I knew him um, and he just saw something in me and he knew the kind of program that he was looking to build and, and made that connection. It really was a cold call. Um, it came out of nowhere. And like I said, with timing, if you would have called a year earlier, I wouldn't have been ready. I wouldn't have had um, some of the skill sets that I think would be required to be successful in this role. And a year later, who knows where I would have been. So, um, but it's interesting to think how serendipitous a lot of it was in in my background, um, how I grew up being the daughter of a college coach, working so closely with with families in my role at Nike or my first role at Nike at the UIBL. And then the last role I had was actually working um, in finance. I was working at a, a uh, growth equity firm out of Los Angeles. And what that skill set has allowed me, the way that skill set has allowed me to contribute to a lot of the N- NIL stuff, um, both as our guys are evaluating opportunities, contracts, um, as they're trying to think strategically and long term, I didn't know about any of that before I worked at, at Pendulum in Los Angeles. So it just all came together at a at a really unique time. Yeah, your background is so so interesting, so diverse with with that part of it too, you know, and um, and the grassroots stuff, you know, traveling all over the country to all the events and um, and then helping NBA with the WNBA uh, work you did. Um, it's really a fascinating thing, and that that kind of makes you very unique and in this unique position. Um, but to, you mentioned your dad being a coach. I did want to allow our, our listeners to hear to hear about your your full background in athletics, extensive background in athletics. Um, your dad was a coach. You played lacrosse in college at LaSalle. Um, just to kind of talk talk to our listeners through uh, uh, your life in athletics. Yeah. Um, so before we we moved, before I turned one, because my dad got his first head coaching job at UCI. So my whole life has been from the beginning has been really um, crafted around um, on this sport. I couldn't couldn't play. Don't tell our guys. I like to hang on to some of my street cred, but I couldn't play. <laughs> I wasn't very good. He told me at a very young age that I wasn't very good. Um, so, but I, I've always been I've always been pretty fast. So soccer, lacrosse, they were more of my thing. Um, I played lacrosse at LaSalle, and I just always knew. Um, Growing up at the different universities and the diff- um, that I grew up in, going to the games, all of those things, like I really saw the ba- the power of not only college athletics but basketball in general, and how these individuals had the opportunity to shape and lift and define culture and social justice and so much more than sport. And and I just knew I wanted to be near it. I knew it was something I wanted to work in. At the time, um, the only women I ever saw around were on television, or they were. Um, athletic trainers and probably some other like administrative roles. I never saw anything else that I could do. So when I went to LaSalle, I was like, I have to work and um, I have to work in TV. It's my only shot. Um, I wasn't great at that either. So luckily in trying out a couple different things, I, I landed a role at the Sixers during the lockout year. Um, they were only hiring PR interns. And I um, had and then all of a sudden in December when the season started back up, I was the only intern around. So I was helping the stats department in the morning and then doing some community relations work in the afternoon. And then at night I was doing some game day hosting and then I was transcribing press conferences till one o'clock in the morning. And then I got up for six a.m. practice. So it was like all all in on being like, wow, there are so many different things I can do connected to sports. And I hadn't even I didn't know any of this existed, and I don't know which one yet. Um, and, and so that experience, I think really opened my, opened the perspective for me so much. And it was also the last time I worked at a team and I always knew that I had to get back to a team at some point, cause it's one thing to see 
the power of sport from outside of it. And there's another thing to like really be all in on a team the way we were then, the way I am now, um, for better or for worse, it's it's a lot. Um, so then I ended up that next summer interning at Nike at um, some of their youth basketball camps. At the time, it was um, Darren Fox, Amari, Star- I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Darren Williams, Amari Stardemeyer, um, Anthony Davis had a camp, and I was just doing like really administrative work. But I saw um, the power of what Nike was doing from a marketing perspective, which was something I'd never seen before. And I just knew it was the place I had to work. So I, I went out there when I graduated for 48 hours and every single person I had met during that internship experience, I just posted up at a local coffee shop and asked if they would be around and like had as many informational interviews as I could. Long story short, I ended up landing a role in that, in that department the, with the Elite Youth Basketball League, the EYBL at Nike, um, where I worked in a, a very administrative role, but it was really working directly with parents and families and, and trying to connect them to the events we were doing and the league in general. Um, that turned into a lot of um, marketing and branding work. Uh, I worked on on the digital side as Twitter and Instagram as I age myself. We're just becoming a thing. And I started to to have some of those experiences, but I really started to build these relationships with with families and athletes that were far different than any of the the um, other people we had on staff. Only because the normal things that any of them would connect with these young men on didn't exist for me. So I had to find different ways to connect with them, show my value, and really try and contribute to them as they or to the to their lives as they were kind of navigating these careers. And that's how I got to know Coach Shire and some of the other the other people on staff. Um from then I left and I went to the the NBA. I had a couple different roles there. I worked in HR, which is was quite the pivot, but in a lot of ways has taught me so much about how to build great teams and also like um uh really use different motivators to to get the most out of individuals to get to a current goal and I also learned so much about the NBA because you touch every single part of of the business um that from there uh, I worked on the WNBA there was a task force in 2018 that was put together to really show which is crazy to think about now at the time it was all shared resources for the WNBA so the same person writing a same person managing the team, writing press releases for the W. We're also thinking about the 2K and uh, the 2K League and the NBA and all these different things. And and the Lisa Borders, another Duke grad, yeah. um, commissioner at the time, she was her her perspective on that was, as you hear all the time now, if we want to get the most out of these women, we need to invest in women. We need to invest resources in these women. Right. So I was the dedicated marketing resource at the time. I then went. Um, I worked in basketball operations in an events role. Um, from there, I ended up back at Nike. Sorry, I, I'm almost on my last job. Um, I That's okay. Up, I ended up back at Nike um, in a role that was really the bridge between uh, college athletics and the NBA. At the time, the same people focused on the business of Kevin Durant were focused on the business of a uh, a rookie transitioning into the league and understanding how important those one, two, three years in the NBA, first few years in the NBA are in terms of brand building um, creating trust in in that relationship between Nike and, and the athlete, and then also um, really just taking advantage of the moment that they're in. We wanted to put some dedicated resources there, which is where where I came in. Um, after about a couple of years, I did focus um, directly on, on Kevin Durant's business and, and his signature 
footwear and, and apparel. And I learned so much from working with him and, and Rich Kleiman and, and what they built at 35 Ventures and thinking about how bus- your business, especially these athletes' business, can't be linear and having different layers of what exists so that your investments feed into your philanthropic endeavors, feed into your marketing contracts, feed into any um, thing you're doing on court and for all that to overlap in a way that I that Kevin and Rich have done as well as anyone um, is a lot of what I think about um, now here here with our guys as they're in their the infancy of their career. Yeah, because I'm sure um, the guys that come in, well, I, I, I say I'm sure, maybe I shouldn't assume that, aren't familiar with all those levels, right? I mean, I think you hear NIL, you know, I can I can sell my autograph or do a camp or T-shirts or whatever, but there's so much more involved in that. So um, so it's almost like an education part of, the, of your job too, right? Educating the families and, and, and the kids on, uh, uh, on the young, young people on, on what they need to do. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of education, trying to get them to think long term and and strategically and also understand that nil isn't one size fits all so a good deal for jeremy roach isn't a good deal for tyrese proctor isn't a good deal for spencer hubbard and all of them have different opportunities to make the most out of this moment but your ability to think long term strategically really has to do with the moment in in your career and what the long-term aspirations are um when i first got here myself and and Dave Bradley, our creative director, we spent about an hour with every single one of our guys. And we just really were talking to them about what it is that we spent very little on on-court stuff, but what their goals were, their uh, off-court goals, aspirations, where they saw themselves in 10 years. Um, how did they think about building their brand and community building and, and how did they want to engage in that way? And because right now being at Duke, if you're not capitaling off of capitalizing off of this opportunity to set yourself up for the rest of your life we're doing you a disservice yeah absolutely i mean uh i think one of the sayings all along in all the sports at duke has been it's a it's not a four-year decision it's a 40-year decision right so uh and with what's going on in the college world now that's even more true because there's so many more opportunities out there now so um yeah well so you know when you were hired i remember that you know that one of the first things was you're going to help athletes with nil um, and, but there's other, other parts of your job too, but how much of the NIL is, is your main focus, is your focus, or is there other stuff and just kind of, how do you help the guys in that way? Yeah. NIL is a big part of it. Um, I think it's different in season and out of season. Um, and then also, like I said, for some of it, for some of our guys, it's about, um, supporting them and their, their existing opportunities, um, making it as easy as we can, knowing that they're trying to play basketball at the highest level, they're trying to go to a really, really hard school and get a great education, and then also trying to be CEOs of their own business, whatever we can do to make the opportunity evaluation or um, helping them execute on their their deliverables, just so that they don't have to think about it. Um, we've modeled everything here at Duke, at Duke basketball, far before me, has been modeled out of um, creating a really premium professional environment. Um, mm-hmm. Everything that you see that we do from in the weight room to our training staff to on court, it's about like they're professionals here and, and NIL is no different. And so I think that anything that it, that we can do to contribute to that being a really seamless experience for them, um, we try to. And then, um, yeah, so I would say that on any given day, it could take 20% of my time to to all of it it really just depends right 
Right. Because just like anything else, um, you know, you don't want a kid sweating. Hey, I got this offer and I got to, do, do I want to take it or not? While he's trying to get ready for finals or paper to do. And also there's a big game with Miami coming up this Saturday, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So you try to take that, take it off their, off their plates as much as you can. Exactly. And just really, it's, it's easy to say once you can, I think at this point, seven months in, they trust me enough. And once you've been able to develop that trust, you can really say, I don't think this makes sense, or I think it does, or maybe this would be a better time for it, or it might not be worth it for you or any of those things. Because again, for so many of them, there's so few people in their lives that can have that, like their best interests are directly in line with my best interests. And I try and bring that to them and, and the opportunities in front of them as much as they can, and then just try and help them navigate, um, all of this to the best of their ability because none of them have had taxes before <laughs> so why the things being being completely brand new to, new to them and and to their families in a lot of ways as well no kidding i mean that is the thing that people just on the outside i don't even think consider like now that's real world stuff that they'd have to worry about before yeah. you know and you and can get in a mess it doesn't all come naturally to all of them either so as much as, so you play a game, a really hard game. Hopefully we win. If we don't, you're stressed about that. And then afterwards you have to um, sit down and answer a bunch of questions about it. You want to show up the right way. And then after that, maybe you're supposed to do an interview for a brand partner or something like that. And if it's not your natural instinct, it's it's exhausting for them. And it takes a lot out of them on top of what we're asking them to do otherwise before NIL existed. So I really do try and think about as as unbelievable as it is that all of them have the opportunity to make money, it makes it more difficult on on them as well, having to add all of these additional extracurriculars to their day to day. Yeah, absolutely. So, one thing recently Duke has done is that the Brotherhood Live uh, just went went live what a few weeks ago in December. Um, tell, tell us about how that kind of came together. Was that was that your one of your first initiatives when you got in here? And uh, and what what what's going? What are the things available now? What's going to be going forward with that? Sure. The Brotherhood.Live is completely player-owned and operated. And and for them, they realize that what a lot of what fans are looking for is access. Um, our, our digital team is as good as anyone at, as providing kind of like an inside look at the program, but there's so much about their day-to-day that they really just want to share with the fans. And they want them to be able to, um, as, as committed and... Um, all in as Duke fans are, they want to be able to make them feel like they're they're part of the game too. So right now, um, and then they had this really unique opportunity with with Slam Magazine that um, happened probably about a month or so before that launch. So for them, it was how do we combine um, these uh, material goods of of this Slam Magazine and and this T-shirt with also access to us, a subscription model to kind of who we are and being able to tap into what NIL was originally intended to. Um, which is just their publicity in a unique way and making fans feel part of the game, part of their experience in a way that they hadn't been before. Um, so there's a couple of different things that that they'll be rolling out in the near future. But um, those that have bought the subscription get to see um, what their day to day looks like. Um, some some post game reactions you wouldn't typically some typically get and and really because I think the the best Duke teams fans have felt like they really know and love and rooting for and and I think that there's no better way to do that than than this offering here with with Brotherhood Live, right? And uh, you know you look around there there's there's autograph posters right T-shirts uh, uh, yeah like I said individual 
uh, access things you can get that way? Yeah, yeah. The, the Slam magazine, which is a really first of its kind, 300 page all access um, Duke mag with with um, inside. There's there's four pages on each of our guys, everyone from Jeremy to to Spencer and Stanley get to kind of really learn some unique parts about them. And then they all want to sign in. So when you think about regardless of, of what we do from here on out, this will always be John Shire's first team. Um, they are really united and bonded amongst that. It's something that they talk about sometimes. And I think um, that's a lot of what, why uh, the mag made sense right now and also coming together in like the true, true brotherhood fashion, being able to um, give fans access to that was really important to them. And I think that's particularly important that it's, everybody's involved. 100%. So a lot of people think like NIL is going to create divisions in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Seems like this is, this is going to work out well for everybody, right? That, it's kind of the goal behind it. A hundred percent. And I think for a lot of our guys, they have other opportunities. So, um, and deals that they've done. So some of our top guys, they, they're the value of their signature based on trading card deals they have or merch deals they have is a little bit higher than, than what you'd necessarily get out of this, but they see the value in coming together and, and how everyone can benefit from, they're all putting in the same hours. Um, everyone can really benefit benefit from this in a way that's that's unique and i haven't seen in in other places across the country yeah cool um so since you were you know the first person to be a gm at at duke that kind of thing have other people in your industry reached out to you like hey i'm thinking about maybe doing this at this school or that school or what has that been like this new networking opportunity maybe you have yeah it's been great it there's i talk to people now um that i hadn't spent a lot of time with before taking the role and then also some people that that were existing in my day-to-day there's a couple of different general general managers that i've seen pop up across the country and um i uh there's companies like outsourcing that role and work and and i'm all for it i think it makes a ton of sense and really starting this has always been collegiate athletics has always been in a lot of ways had a some professional elements and adding the skill set I have and really investing in the off-court opportunity for for student athletes, I think is really important. And another thing is that all schools do things differently, right? So a lot of these collectives have popped up at different schools. Um, Duke's, the approach they're taking right now, it, it seems to be working for them. Um, what did you think about that when you came into the job and seeing what was going on in other places? And, uh, and how did you think that would work out, you know, in the best interest for you and for Duke students? The one thing I needed to know from, I, I spoke to Coach Shire, I spoke to our um, AD Nina King, some other people in our compliance office, that we were in the business of making the Duke, Duke experience as competitive as it was in the country, whether um, a collective ends up being what's best for us or um, the, just the commercialization of our, our athletes and the Duke brand was was on the table. And Duke's perspective is everything that is compliant within bounds that is in the best interest of our student athletes we're willing to do and i think knowing that um and knowing that there's the flexibility to be able to um support our student athletes with the best of the rest of the power five schools in the country like i think that that i'm all in on that the one the one piece of this and and nil has really just become this like catch-all term for so many different things and some of it is brand related some of it is just collective related and i think yeah. that you it's all going to start normalizing soon i think we saw 
all these crazy numbers being thrown out. Some were true, some weren't true. Contracts are falling through. All of it might be all of that. Um, and what we're trying to build is something that's sustainable, something that's reliable, something that you know year in and year out. All of our our men and and women here at Duke can benefit from. And it's taken a little bit longer than than some other universities, but I don't think that's going to matter as long as everyone that's coming through here, including our existing team, feels as if they made the right long term decision for for themselves and their families. Right, right. Well, that's great, Rachel. Again, it's a fascinating time in college athletics, and you're kind of on the vanguard of it right now in this position. So uh, a new position, Sarah. Listen, really appreciate you joining us for this edition of the ACC Now. I've been wanting to try to sit down with you and uh, introduce you to the Triangle basketball community. Um, not just Duke fans, but Carolina and State fans too, I'm sure wonder you know how things are going, how things are working at, at Duke and everything. So um, you know about that, right? You've already, you've already learned about the rivalry stuff? <laughs> Absolutely. So listen, uh, again, thanks a lot for joining us, Rachel. Um, uh, that's, that's the end of this week's edition of the ACC Now podcast. Thanks everybody for listening and we'll have another edition for you next week.